The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the line co-host for Leadership Development News. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And today our guest is Dr. Andrea Simon. We're going to talk about a uh, concept and focus of hers, is your business stuck in the center lane? So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Simon here. She is a corporate anthropologist, a management consultant, she specializes in working with companies that need to change. And in this business environment, she's rather busy. Everybody's in some kind of change or another. Dr. Simon has been a professor of anthropology and American studies, and she's in the process of writing a book about this concept of how companies and organizations get stuck in the center lane. For the past decade, she has been a consultant working with companies that know they need to change but don't know how to adapt. Dr. Simon has created a proprietary process that she calls the change map, and we'll ask her some questions about that and try to unpack what is the change map, which is based on her understanding of culture and what we are learning from the neurosciences about how we balance order and chaos in our brain. You know, we love talking about the neuroscience topics here at Leadership Development News. And also she'll talk about the role of corporate culture uh, is really to keep us stable and in place. So when times change, we often, often need a crisis or preferably a coach or a consultant to help us see, feel, and maybe think differently and then actually act in new ways so, or we won't change at all. And so, you know, uh, Kathy and I always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics. We try to find interviews with proven leaders and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. Now I'm glad to welcome Kathy to the call. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to the call today, and I just want to let you know that we are going to have a very exciting show. One of the things that we want you to, to learn in every one of our shows is how to develop more leaders in your organization and what happy companies know about performance or what emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies have to do with developing leaders and developing yourself. We also like to talk about, uh, talk about brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, generation and gender differences, and work-life balance practices to make you your best all the time. We also love to help you with self-management tools to be your best and strategies for managing both you and your boss and your teams and helping you put more tools and tips to work every day. Well, thank you, Kathy. Uh, before we bring on Dr. Simon, let me tell you a little bit about just so, some of the research base that we love to talk about in regards to leadership development. 
So in leadership development, we talk about leaders, obviously, and why leaders. Well, we know that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. Because emotions are contagious, leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team. And one of the keys of being a star performer that we like to talk about is how does someone get in the top 10%? Many organizations have uh, identified that as someone who exceeds expectations. How do you get in the top 10%? And the further you move up the corporate ladder, about 85% of someone's success relies in these emotional intelligence competencies when in comparison to either how smart they are or technical expertise. And whether it's you or the people um, that you're developing, if you can get them into the top 10%, they are twice, uh, they produce twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th and the 89th uh, percentile. So when coaching is added to training, we know that's really important and it helps productivity uh, and it can be enhanced about 22% just with training. But if you add coaching to it, it can be enhanced about 88%. And the key is taking some of these micro-initiatives. So hopefully we'll learn some micro-initiatives today because we know that they can create these macro-impacts. And for more uh, leadership and coaching information from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, he's at www.htcleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, keynotes, leadership and coaching services. And for anyone more information about me, Dr. Rowan Nadler, at www.truenorthleadership.com. Uh, for some emotional intelligence books, some free assessments, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. So what we'd like to do is uh, tell you a little bit about uh, Dr. Simon a little bit more, and then uh, we'll bring her on. Uh, Dr. Simon, you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's truly lovely to work with Kathy and Relly on this topic of leadership and leadership development. Ah, great, great. Well, let me, I already went through some of the bio, but let me just highlight a few more other things, and we have a you know, series of questions that we'd love to ask you. Um, so Dr. Andrea Simon, I mentioned, is a corporate psychologist, and she founded Simon Associate Management Consultants uh, a decade ago, and it brings a unique perspective of anthropology to business, targeting businesses that need to see, feel, and think differently about their company, their customers, and those who could be their customers. Dr. Simon uh, specializes in helping companies change. Her experience and expertise was developed in part from academia and in part from being a senior executive in companies that needed change. Uh, in addition, Dr. Simon uh, has produced two distant learning TV series um, on change for CBS Sunrise Semesters. Maybe we'll get her to talk a little bit about that. As a business executive, Dr. Simon was an executive vice president for First National Bank a, of Highland, a division of M&T Bank. She was a senior vice president for consumer business at Poughkeepsie Savings Bank and a senior executive of management, marketing, and branding at other financial services companies, including City uh, Bank and National uh, West. So aside from her academic uh, focus, she's really got um, online experience. And since we know from neuroscience that research that change is literally pain, and we'll get her to talk about that. Changing, changing in an organization is always hard work, regardless of the industry or the skills of the management team. Dr. Simon has a proprietary change map process to enable organizations to engage all their members in an approach to change that is grounded in understanding of corporate cultures and in how 
to help individuals see, feel, and think differently about their jobs. This approach that she's going to talk about integrates our understanding of how the culture of an organization both enhances and limits its ability to adapt to changing conditions in the market, much less how to create a new market and demand in innovative ways for services and products. She has a, a ton of clients. I'll just mention some of them that she's worked with and using this, this system of hers. Uh, Markle Paper, Allstate Legal Supply, Hurley Medical Center, uh, Atlantic Health Systems, Merck uh, Telerex, and Monroe College, and GM Advisory Group, just to name a few. She has won numerous awards over the years for her marketing and advertising initiatives. So, Dr. Simon, welcome to the call. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, really. Andrea, we always like to start our calls by asking our guests something that helps our audience relate to you and how you've been influenced by people and thinkers in your life, and you've had such a broad career from academia to business. We'd love to know some more about you. So who have been the most influential people in your life during, even in your childhood but throughout your career, and how have they shaped your thinking about your work? Well, that's always an important question, Kathy, because ideas come from so many sources, and we grow so much in part by experiential and by the relationships we had. So as I thought about that, um, it's interesting, as an anthropologist, I was uh, deeply um, affected by the work of Claude Levi-Strauss, who recently died, I think he was 100, and just recently. And so rereading so much of his perspective uh, triggered in my mind why it was so exciting uh, to think about the raw and the cooked and how he began to really probe into the way in which our culture and our minds were working. And then Mary Douglas's work, um, which the listeners may or may not be aware of, but you can still pick the books up, on purity and danger and uh, culture and risk. Uh, this goes back a while, but uh, she was truly writing about how our perceptions, even if you think of sustainability and the environment today, uh, aren't simply facts but interpreted through our mind maps in such a way as to influence whether we think it's there or it's not there. And So they were early thinkers that I found uh, very profound. But the other part is I thought about both of you. Um, when I was senior vice president of Poughkeepsie Savings Bank, it was the beginning of the deregulation of the financial service industry. And what was so profound was I would say something and have 250 different ways of doing it. And it was humbling because you realize that studying change was interesting, but managing it was challenging. Mm. And, and as I watched my staff really tried to do the right things. They all really wanted to do the right things. They didn't know what those things were. So the dialect divergence was keen. So during that period, I had a wonderful thinker and coach who I could at least turn to and say, now what am I doing and how do I do this? And out of it came some ideas because the last thing uh, a senior executive wants to feel is consciously incompetent. Uh, but we know that when we're learning, uh, that's exactly how we feel. And sometimes we need a coach to help us move along. So I, I began developing my change map process as I was having to, to change map uh, a company. We introduced their first ATM, their first credit card, so you can imagine it was really chaotic. So those are some of the things that have influenced my development. Well, thanks, Andrea. Um, actually, at least this gives an idea that you know, these are real uh, on-the-line experiences that you had in dealing with change. And so the next thing we want to talk a little bit about is uh, what is an anthropologist and what is a corporate anthropologist, and how do you bring that? I know uh, most organizations know about consultants. They know about leadership. 
Uh, but anthropology or anthro- a corporate anthropology just may be a little different. You're absolutely right. Although in April, GE and Intel decided to spend $250 million to bring Intel's on-the-ground anthropologists to work with GE to better understand the home health industry. And so it's becoming far more common. Hmm. But anthropologists are social scientists who study human behavior through systematic observation. Corporate anthropologists really are focused on consumers, business, and the workplace culture itself so that we can learn what's working, what isn't, how to optimize performance. Often they challenge very fundamental assumptions, which is really part of our job. After we begin to, and I use these words very intentionally, how do we see, feel, and think what people are actually doing? Because it's very, very difficult, even though people would tell you otherwise, for them to know what they're actually doing. They go about their business on a daily basis and want to make a nice living, but at the end of the day, people aren't that reflective. Um, Apart from Intel and GE, uh, some of the earliest corporate users of anthropological research were Xerox and Motorola, Nokia, Emerson, Herman Miller. Herman Miller has some wonderful stuff that's uh, been done with young people, absolutely reinventing the workspace, um, which you couldn't imagine. You'd have to have them actually do it and, and create the video so you could see it. Um, Microsoft has whole teams that go out and work with their um, uh, clients in various ways as well. And uh, Marriott just finished redoing all their hotel lobbies to make them more functional. They actually just sent me a little thing celebrating it. But two years ago, they sent anthropologists out to sit in the lobbies and figure out what people needed them for and how dysfunctional they had become. But they couldn't just ask. They really had to watch. And healthcare systems are doing this more and more, putting anthropologists in to actually watch um, how to make the place patient um, safe and patient satisfying and doctor friendly. Uh, things that, while you could listen to, you might really need to see in order to believe yourself. So, um, what we do really is hang out. It's so funny listening to you, Andrea, because as a classically trained physical anthropologist, I get it, and it's so clear, and it's so great to hear that we are finally being embraced by the corporate world, and the way that you've just described it, I think, really helps our listeners understand just, just how important that is. So let me ask and you, I'm um, so glad oh, you know what sounds like we're going to go to a break, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to suspend my question until uh, we get back, but we're listening to Leadership Development News, and we're talking to Dr. Andrea Simon, so come right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and 
influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Andrew Simon, and Andrew, just before the break, we're talking a little bit about what is an anthropologist doing in the corporate setting, and I have a picture of you or, or anthropologist at the Marriott kind of sitting there in the, in the lobby. Really, I want that job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really kind of studying. I imagine you got your taking notes of what people are doing, where do they sit, uh, what, you know, what are they actually doing there. So actually, maybe, it's how we rearrange everything because there was no place to sit. Right, oh, right. To at least start off with. Well, so how can anthropology also apply to entrepreneurs and, and business owners? Well, you know, while sometimes we think this is just for large companies, um, I've taught entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship. And at the end of the day, from the smallest startup to corporate titans, they really need to understand how your products or services are actually being used, not imagining it, and particularly about the emotional experience. Where are the smiles and where are the frowns and how are people feeling about you? You can guess what it is, and you can do your surveys or your focus groups, but each time we do them, and you can see the research that results from them, people are trying to please us and tell us honestly, but often they don't really know. So most of all, what we try to do is help you as an entrepreneur or business owner really understand what a customer is doing and how you can do it for them in a different fashion or better 
but you can't ask them, and, and they can't imagine. Um, my favorite quote is Henry Ford's. If I had asked people how to make transportation better, they'd tell me to make the horses go faster. And I'm a horse person, and that's not going to happen. So by going out and actually helping entrepreneurs and business owners see, feel, and think, we can get them to open up the marketplace and begin to create demand among both customers and non-customers in ways that they couldn't imagine by themselves. When you look at um, entrepreneurs, do you think there is a big difference in helping individuals who are startups, who have kind of a what we call a, a green field to start with versus an organization that has a culture which is so, I guess, historically um, relevant to, to its work and its people that it's afraid to give something up? You know, um, we talk a lot about corporate cultures, and perhaps I will digress for a moment and answer your question with a, a little bit of insight. We know, for example, that there are really four dominant cultures. Um, sometimes people make subsets of all of them, but they come back to four major ones, the entrepreneur and the very innovative one, the very bureaucratic or hierarchical one, uh, a very market-driven or customer-focused one, and one that's really all about the clan or the family or the employees. And, and I, I share that with you because your, your point is extremely important. Entrepreneurs, by and large, need some hierarchy or structure to turn those good ideas into a viable business. And at times there are tensions between those who want to give it structure and order and those who want to be visionaries, innovative, and ahead. So the creativity folks often are at odds with the control folks. Um, the other two types of cultures, the one that's very customer-oriented, very driven by the marketplace, is often at odds with employee-focused organizations that are really uh, quite concerned about training their employees and keeping a, a sense of a, a fraternity or a clan operating and, and the customers there, but sort of a sidebar. In today's world, what we know really well is that whether you're resizing or downsizing or re-engineering, unless you focus on your culture, you're not going to get anywhere. And unless you begin to add some innovation into a bureaucracy, change is hard. And if you're just going to be worried about your employees, you're not going to see how your customers are changing. So the most successful companies are right at those intersections where there's vision and innovation, but also some order to it. And the customer is a major focus, but there's also concern with developing your employees and your team. So, you know, I'm, as I'm drawing my little four boxes here, to your point, entrepreneurs tend to be off on one direction. And unless they have a type A, I have a couple of, of um, wonderful case studies for the book that I'm working on of entrepreneurs and their type A's who give them the structure often feel that without the ideas, there's nothing, but only ideas and there's nothing. And so it, it, it is an interesting process. And often you develop those cultures because of who you are, not necessarily by design. And so you need to be careful that you haven't gotten there by, by default. And if you step back, perhaps you could see where you really need to go and what you need next. So does that answer your question? Oh, that's beautiful. And I, I think our listeners are really going to tap into that with, uh, with great enthusiasm because I think a lot of them understand exactly what you're saying because they're living it. So that was great. Thank you, Andrea. So, Andrea, along those lines about helping uh, companies change, you know, both Kathy and I, are like you, are in the change business, and, and we really know that you know change is, is huge. It takes in all the aspects of, of being a leader, and good leaders are really good about change. So how do you help businesses accept and, and address and implement change? Uh, well, you know, Relly, we do share um, so many of these um, challenges because, uh, you know, one of the things in learning something new, change, is that you have to accept you're consciously incompetent 
and very few C-suite people want to believe they're incompetent. So, you know, I have five things that I start with when I talk to people because um, this can be uh, challenging, at the very least, necessary. Uh, but I had one wonderful client who said, I'm all for change, and three months into our project, nothing had changed. And I said, you haven't changed anything. So let me tell you what the five things are that I keep in mind and help share with my clients um, so we progress, because that change map is only good if it gets it someplace. The first, and, um, and you and I with our neuroscience uh, focus realize that the brain really hates pain. Pardon me, change. It creates pain, and that prefrontal cortex and the working memory wants to be efficient, and that doesn't um, make it work well. So I often tell people it's a little like learning a new golf. Um, this is going to hurt because you would rather swing that golf club like a baseball bat and not like a golf club. And unless you are going to change and it hurts to think about it, it's not going anywhere. So the brain would be much happier if it didn't have to work so hard. And even as you're listening to my talk, your miserly mind is going to forget most of it unless you really begin to think about it and do something with it. So the first is this is going to hurt and somehow you're going to enjoy the pain. Second, you're going to need more than just a desire or even a plan. Um, the research uh, that is coming out is extremely compelling that if you just have a strategy, that's nice. If you just restructure, that's interesting. But unless you have at least four parts of your organization going through the process, and they are really very uh, clear, we need some motivator. Uh, people need to be inspired in some fashion. So even if they say, hey, we have to change, there has to be something that's mobilizing those emotions. People buy with emotions and justify with logic. So the reasons are nice, but it's the emotions that are there. So the first is emotion. The second is education or training. Don't imagine that they know how to do something. Um, and you need to invest in that over and over again with a lot of focus and density so it becomes an old habit that's a new habit. The third is that you need your organizational design and functionality. Um, a lot of small wins that come out of this is that you are changing. It's as if you have taken them all to Italy. And they've changed now how they have to interact. Uh, if you leave it the old way, they'll go back to what they did in the old fashion. So you have to disrupt what seemed to be working just fine in the past. And then the changes to compensation or recognition that often are jumped to um, don't mean anything unless I know how to do them and what they actually mean. And even failure now might be well worth recognizing and celebrating so that you have more ideas in tests than, than not. The third thing, you need focus and repetition. We know from the brain that unless you have focus and repetition, unless you swing that golf club over and over again and get some positive feedback, it doesn't work well. I often, and you may do the same, I use theater as a metaphor. You guys have been really good at Macbeth. You know how to play it well. Everyone applause. Um, but now we're going to play Hamlet, and you don't know the script. Maybe you didn't even write the script. And you don't know how to play it on the stage and how to interact, and there's no applause. So that we need a lot of rehearsal time. And I think often we pit people into new positions and say, go with no rehearsal time at all, and then they can't do it and they fail. And, and that's just not the way the mind or the culture work. Fourth, you need to have a lot of ideas to have the ones that intersect into new solutions. I don't know why people think they come up and wake up in the morning with just one idea, although morning ideas are, are really good. But most companies don't have any path to idea generation or change. So even if a customer service person has a great idea coming off a customer complaint, there's no place to put it. And so the CMEXs of the world that are truly innovative companies have a tremendous number of different ways for ideas to have a home. And, and they look at them constantly to see where there are some intersections. Uh, they have idea banks. And Procter & Gamble has an idea gym. And uh, IBM has its innovation jams. 
Um, and so I asked my clients, where can ideas rest with you? Do you have your black book? So, you know, we need ideas. And the fourth, you need a lot of them. Um, the fifth is that you need to have a professional coach or trainer. I'm not going to pitch for you guys, but I find that I can't. I have opera star friends who have coaches and professional athletes who have coaches. And the football teams have coaches, but CEOs don't necessarily see themselves needing a coach. And the C-suite doesn't necessarily need one. And so I often sort of scratch my head because unless I have a tennis coach or a golf coach to push me along each week, uh, I go back to where I, I know best, which is not necessarily what is best. And so the the impetus for change or change manager, but those are interesting people by themselves and often get buried within a company, um, put in that back room, because even while you say you want to change, often you really don't. So those are the kinds of things that we work on. Well, that's very exciting, and I think most people who who have tried to change realize that unless they have a partner in change or someone who's coaching them on a regular basis, that it is hard. Some of us are very lucky and very gifted, and some of us, when we follow a process, take about a month to make a change. But as you said, sometimes we, we will also backslide. So let me ask you another question, Andrea. Uh, I guess it's Yogi Berra once said that you can observe a lot by just watching. So why does observation play such a critical role in getting unstuck and changing your business. And how can you tell us more about what this observation is about? Well, let me give you three um, interesting case studies from, from clients who are, are generous in letting me share their, their experiences. One is a $100 million customer care business. And um, we, they, they thought they, they knew their verticals really well, and they answered the telephone and provide customer service. And so we sent them out to talk to both different verticals, different people within the same vertical, and to begin to spend some time with the very customers who were calling in. And all of a sudden, they began to see things that they couldn't have imagined, um, that there were segments within the companies who were the current clients that could use them but had not thought of them. And other kinds of, of uh, companies, whether they were consulting or um, service master, really had needs, but they were not well discussed or developed yet, and they could see them, and out of it came some ideas on how to expand their business in new ways. Or I had a healthcare client, and we took the senior management team and had them spend a day, I love days in the life of, day in the life of a patient and day in the life of a doctor, and then we had some of the people in billing spend time in the emergency room and, and back and forth. And by seeing each other in new lights, the ahas were going off like crazy. The billing people finally realized why it was so difficult for the emergency room to take accurate information. And the administrators finally realized why patient satisfaction was not satisfactory and why the doctor's experience wasn't friendly. So even while they spoke about a doctor-friendly environment, uh, admitting a patient at 4 in the morning wasn't simply it wasn't easy to do at all. And so, you know, we learned a lot by getting out there because this is about putting aside assumptions and expectations. Um, you can't sit in your office and imagine. It's going beyond the familiar. And a lot of this is by the body language and the interpersonal relations. How do you define patient satisfaction or a caller calling in and being satisfied if you don't see what's going on with them? Um, and they don't even know how they're doing. So you gain your aha moments when that brain chemistry really goes uh, wonderfully crazy from the unexpected insights you gain. And the brain, as we know, much prefers a picture to um, a thousand words, and that is being shown in all the brain science now. So it wasn't just a, you know, a, a statement we used to make. It's true. And so how do I see this? Um, we 
have several people who use videos to video people who are doing internet uh, purchases. And while they tell you what they're going to do, and then you videotape them, you realize that what they said and what they did were two different things. (laughs) Andrew, we're going to come right back. So hold that thought. You're listening to Leadership Development News, so come right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Andrea Simon. Andrea has a... Uh new book that she's working on, Stuck in the Center Lane. And so, Andrew, let's talk a little bit about um, organizations. sounds like when you come in, one of the key things that you're, you're doing is helping them get, get unstuck. 
So, you know, how do, how, uh, how do you go about it? How does an organization go about getting unstuck? Well, it's a very, it's a very important question today because um, feeling stuck is um, it's abundant, and I'm finding that folks um, pulled out really well, were doing really good, and all of a sudden they find themselves going nowhere. Um, before the current restructuring, I used to have clients who had three years of no growth or three RFPs they failed to do. Um, now, uh, getting stuck is everywhere. How do I change and so forth? So I use my three R's. Uh, I tell people that they uh, really need to rethink who they are, reimagine who their customer and the market is, and then reinvent your business. And I focus on the three R's because it makes it manageable to, to work with. But the first part is how do you rethink who you are? And, and this is really an interesting challenge, and you may have some perspectives on it, um, because I often have people come to me and say, I am a fill it in. I am a printer. I'm in a banker. I sell scrubs. I produce religious books. I'm in the battery design business. And once they define it, everything flows from there. Mm. And so if you tell yourself that you are a something, and this is what your business does, um, then you can't repurpose. You can't reimagine it. You can't reinvent it because you get stuck in that market space and you're going to compete with others just like you. So I, I often make the analogy, it's a little like a diagnosis from a doctor. Once he diagnoses you, it seems like all the things fit logically, but you never ask what else could it be. And so it's the same for you. Once you define yourself, you know, printer situation, old line printer, a $16 million business, uh, we're printers, but the world's changing. So how are we going to, you know, do something to keep you sustainable in a world that's completely changing? And, and so the first part is how to get, um, how to rethink who you are and stop thinking that what you do is who you are. Andrea, on that note, can you just tell us uh, one example of what you can tell someone to do to help themselves rethink what they are? I mean, we hear a lot about strengths management these days and focusing on our talent, but how do you get somebody unstuck? You know, it's interesting. I take those old post-its and we put together all the elements that make them up. We break them down into little pieces. And then we try to um, rethink all of those parts. So I had one, um, I'll use the printer as an example. Um, while they had a huge investment in the old assets, they had a lot of talent uh, in doing all sorts of other things, from the fulfillment of what they actually sent out to the development of it and the whole world of Internet marketing and how it could tie together. And so once we began to rethink who they were, um, then all of a sudden they stopped saying we're printers and you can really actually create a whole new name for yourself. Um, and I often have them go back and see what Southwest Airlines did to rethink air travel um, or what Yellowtail did to open up non-wine drinkers to drinking wine um, so that they don't feel alone in the process. Um, a part of it is just breaking it down. And, and I go back to the whiteboard and the Post-its because I'm endlessly fascinated by how people will tell you something in a short story. But when I bring the features of the story down, we have the adventurer there and where we're going out exploring and what we actually do into elements. They begin to have that aha moment where they can see a different story developing. And then we have them write new stories. I'll stay on stories for one second. Stories organize the facts. So we tell the first story is where you are today. I'm the printer who. And then we begin to create stories about what the next phase is. And the minute we can get that new story getting to feel right, and the elements fall into place, and the brain really loves to take all those post-its and begin to tell some stories about it, and a picture's worth a thousand words. All of a sudden, we get the stories coming, and we begin to flow into mapping how we're going to get there. 
Does that help? Great. Uh, yeah, that's really good. So that's kind of part of the the rethinking, and it sounds like you're getting them to really just stretch differently, kind of a, a massive kind of brainstorming, and, and there's no bad ideas, and initially call those together that may be a reframe and, and a new way of looking at things. Yep. So one, so a part of that, I guess, and the bigger thing of rethinking then is is the reimagining and reimagining your customer um, is one focus. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is where I'm... Um, you know, on the one part, the brainstorming, the brain writing, the breaking it apart, um, the glowing out and exploring becomes important. But part of it is they also say, we serve this audience. And so I begin to push them past um, who they currently serve and begin to see, feel, and think about those who are non-users who have great alternatives to them. Um, you know, you use some examples that come to mind freely, uh, the way Curves went after women who didn't work out. Or Shimano developed the coasting bike for 160 million Americans who don't bicycle. Or even we going after non-gamers. And so all of a sudden they begin to see how others have created a repurposing of those same tools for an audience that didn't use them before. Um, many mid-market companies, you know, just as a, a sidebar, I find that many mid-market companies have built their businesses on referrals uh, or the inbox. And they were quite fortunate during wealthy times um, but they have no marketing. And, and I don't quite know why marketing always seems to be the first thing that's cut or the easiest thing to not invest in because at, at the end of the day, it's all marketing. And so one of the things that becomes important is who is that customer that you could have? How do you really get to know them? And not by surveying them, but by actually living with them for a while. Um, and there were some clients at one workshop I was doing, and they spend at least a day a week in a day of the life of a customer. And, and that became uh, the opportunity for a whole new series of, of uh, programs that they developed uh, that they couldn't have imagined otherwise. So the, uh, <clears throat> the marketing piece becomes extremely important Excuse me. as they try to figure out how to reimagine uh, a customer. I think that the other thing that I heard not too long ago was a gentleman who wanted to ask me if the web was really as real as it is. And I, I was sort of fascinated um, because the whole world of the web is what is here. It isn't new media. It is the media. Uh, social media and crowdsourcing are here. Their flavors are going to keep changing. Uh, but denying change is quite naive at best and rather absurd. And uh, this particular gentleman, I could see his head trying to figure out, now, do I blog? I said, what, what, do you want to be a blogger or are you going to use it in some way? And so the whole idea of rethinking, is, uh, reimagining his uh, customer, rethinking who he was and what he did, was being really tossed upside down. And um, it was quite fascinating to watch him try to make sense out of it all. Um, some of the best interviews I've had lately are with companies that continuously are looking for new customers in new ways and reinventing themselves. And one interview I had last week with a gentleman who described his entire history as a series of reimagining, 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 because he's out there so often trying to figure out what he can do to leapfrog over his own customers before they have um, the aha moment themselves that they need him. So does that help you? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And it's, it's fascinating when people finally learn how to use marketing tools through social media, um, how successful they can be. But talk a little bit about the reinvention piece. So reinventing your business, what's that look like? And how do, how do, you, um, how do you kind of follow your customers and find out what they're doing so you can do it better with them? 
Uh, that's a, a very, very good point because I, too, need to spend days in the life of my customers. And as you know, as coaches, to keep moving them along, you really need to know where they are and where they're going. So the reinvent question. So we rethought, uh, we've reimagined, and, and the, the thing that was really the catalyst to this was um, a company that said to me, well, we've got the ideas, and we know we have to rethink who we're doing, um, but we don't know how to reinvent ourselves. How do we stay on this and not fall back to what we did before? How do we get the old business going while we're trying to come up with the new ones? Um, and so the, it becomes a very interesting time to step back. And, and if you don't spend a day in the life of your own company, um, you really don't know where you're going to take this. Um, so that we need to really take a look at what you're doing, how you're doing it, and whether or not um, you can now begin to repurpose people in a very uh, conscious way. Taking it back to my stories, you can tell me the old story. We can now begin to create the new story, and then we need to map out in those four areas, how are we going to actually do this? What are the small wins that are going to happen? How are we going to see it taking place and reinforce it? Um, how are we going to reinvent it? And then as these happen, do we have some funerals? You have some funerals for the old things that you're never going to do again. And you make it very clear that you're never going to do it again so that we can begin to come up with what the new one is and begin to move it along. And can, can I just make a, a comment for our listeners when you say have some funerals? I think what you're actually saying is in society we don't have appropriate customary closures for many of the things that we know are the openings or closings of businesses or the beginnings or endings of what we used to do. And in society those celebrations, whether it's birth or death, are very important. So we use language very similarly in corporate anthropology to help people understand how to put things away. Is that a that little bit perfect. helpful? Absolutely yeah. perfect. Thank Good. you. And, and if the word funeral is a little heavy, you're right. Um, but we don't have any appropriate ways to end something um, in a positive fashion and move on to something new and see it coming alive and, and see the reasons why they're there. So and another thought, Kathy, do you have? Nope, I think uh, either the music's coming on to tell us we're having a break or we've got some background noise that I'm not sure what it is, but it, um, it could be either one. But we're going to keep going until we hear otherwise. So, nope, that was fabulous. Just keep on going. One of the things about the invention part is that... Oh, there we go. And that's and I'll the, tell you about that's the our signal. So, hold that thought. We're going to come back to the other illustrations you have for us on how businesses can reinvent themselves. And we're talking to Andrea Simon. She's helping us with, is your business stuck in the center lane? You're listening to Leadership Development News, so come right back. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint by the numbers process. 
seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Dr. Greenberg, co-author of What Happy Companies Know and What Happy Women Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical training for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy herself is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group training, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch her at the Governor's Conference for Women Nationally and as spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America throughout 2009 for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results. To learn more about adding Kathy and Happy Company's healthy people to your team, visit Kathy at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a delightful conversation with Dr. Andrea Simon. And talking about change in organizations, she's working on a new book called "Stuck in the in the Center Lane." And uh, Andrew, I, w- I want to ask you uh, two things. One is how we can uh, people can get back in touch with you so we get that in now before we're just at the end. Sure, then- my uh, website, and uh, you can certainly email me. But my website is www.simonassociates.net. My email, uh, email me a simon at simonassociates.net. And my telephone is 914-245-1641 at the office, which is just perfect. Great, great. Well, so let's talk a little bit about um, does someone need a, a change manager? Because we're talking about, you know, the change and, and the three R's. Um, so how do they actually execute that uh, in the organization? Uh, my answer to that is usually a yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Most of the time a company gets very tribal. And by that, I mean everyone seems to want to protect what they know and those habits and the status quo at the expense of the problem or the idea. You know, they intellectually understand there's a problem, but emotionally they stay very safe, and they don't want to risk their own jobs or change. 
a change agent or a manager uh, inside or uh, somebody coming from the outside is on the one hand often embraced and celebrated when they're hired or engaged, and then they become very scary. And they're the folks who are going to teach you how to be consciously incompetent and learn a whole new way of doing things and reorganize and reinvent and rethink. And so at times, the change agents or managers set aside and the people around them in that tribe hope that those foreigners fail. And so it becomes a very interesting environment for a change agent. People basically start to say, no, but you don't know. And I try to help them say yes and. That brain opens up to a yes and much better than a no but. And slowly but surely, that change agent can begin to get alignment throughout the entire organization. But I will tell you, it starts at the top down. And if the CEO and the C-suite aren't change agents themselves and they want everyone else to, nobody believes them. And so this is leadership at its very best. And it isn't simply saying we're all for change or here's my new vision. It really is permeating the entire organization and getting them aligned with the new vision of where you're going. The more engagement you have, uh, the easier job a change agent has to steer. Um, The more you think that it's their job, the less successful they're going to be at it. It's fascinating as I'm listening to you. So many ideas people have for doing things differently, but they judge their ideas before they actually try them. And Absolutely. And I'm sure that, that that causes them some, I guess, some stop gaps. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that, Andrea? You know, we talk about trying, trying, trying. I'll use the analogy of a tennis or a golf swing. Until you actually do it, you can't read a book and know how to play golf. And so once you get out there and you hit the ball a bunch of times and you realize where it actually goes, you begin to see how that happens. Um, But you can judge it ahead of time and make a thought about it. So if you take it into a business situation, what's the equivalent of of rehearsal or trial or testing and learning from that? Um, Because you know as well as I do that that brain is going to fight it the whole way until all of a sudden it has that little uh, hot moment where it says, ah, this is what they're saying. And that's what they meant. And ah, I can do it. And boy, that win is a good win. And does anybody notice? And so it really becomes important for somebody to applaud that great golf shot that just came off that club that's been doing lousy things for a while and say, ah, that was a good shot. And so you go try and do it again. So um, it's really, really important in the process of changing an organization that A, you have some metaphors or similes so people can see other things like that. And they get a lot of positive feedback and coaching along the way where they won't know they're making progress. You know, I think we see this all the, all the time, Andrea, uh, and outside of corporations. But for some reason, you know, inside an organization, they just don't want to take the time to practice or take <laughs> the time to rehearse. And they want to say, okay, got it, got it. And, uh, and often there's a huge chasm between they got it and what they do. And so uh, bringing that into the, into the situation. We've been it's, teaching managers that they really are directors of a play, and their job is to provide a platform for which the actors can really um, do a fabulous job as opposed to telling people how to do it because they can't. So it's an interesting metaphor, and it works qu- quite well. Hmm. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, as we're getting kind of to the down here, to recap some of the highlights of what people should consider, you know, to, to get on. Unstuck. So maybe you can go through some of the key the key points, and then we can uh, intervene. Let me give you some of the highlights that I hope our listeners have plucked away from today, um, and and I'll do them in in a way that hopefully is most powerful for them to remember. 
Um, my first point is, you, you know, you can hire an anthropologist, but I would urge you to try to be one. Go explore. Get out of the office and stop imagining. Go see, feel, and then think about your business and your customers with new eyes. Um, you know, if you spend a day in the life of your customer, a day in the life of a non-user, a day in the life of your own company, pretend you're a customer, what kind of insights would you gather? And I can send you some case studies from companies just like yours where doing that has opened their minds to all sorts of things that they, were no, they weren't they were paying any attention to. The second thing, the more ideas you have, the more likely you will have the right ones. And to your point, Kathy, about judging them, um, don't judge them. Let them come together at the intersections. You will find them coming in ways that you hadn't imagined. And that's when all of a sudden a bank of ideas turn into some really cool ones that you can begin to test and develop. Um, third, please, you aren't what you do. Um, it's time to stop saying I am up. Focus on the three R's. It's time to rethink, reimagine, and reinvent. There are customer needs that are waiting to be solved. They just need you to come out and see them in new light. And there's a whole market to create um, so that you don't necessarily need to compete in the old one. There may not even be an old one anymore. And the commoditization of that, the oversupply and diminishing demand is making it very competitive. So the last thing you want to do is be left with a price. I love it. I love when you say buyers are liars. You need to see it yourself. You need to see it yourself. So it's a time to put them. If you want to get out of being stuck, you know, you did a great job of starting the company. You grew into the center lane. How do you pass? And I tell people, put the pedal to the metal. And it does mean taking risks. It means looking back and forth at the same time. It really means testing options to see which works and learning from them. So your brain needs a chance to find out and then run like crazy because you're going to have to pave the way before someone follows you right through into that new zone. So, Andrew, this, is, this has been uh, very in- informative, and we've been talking with Dr. Andrew Simon. We thank you so much for, for sharing some of your wisdom about um, if you're stuck in the center lane, how to get out. This has been, been Leadership Development News, and join us again next week to hear about what to do to be a top performer in your organization. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.